Yes, Lord. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. You'll begin reading in verse 7. I'm blessed to be with you this afternoon. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. I thank the Lord for this opportunity to come and speak to you the Word of God this afternoon. And I believe that God has impressed this in my heart. I believe it's for us today. Joshua chapter 14. We can begin reading verse 7. I want you to to excuse me because I I brought my Bible from 2008. And I forgot my Bible from 2012. Now you may wonder what's the big difference. Well, the words are about this big on the other one. These are very small. So if you see me read a little slow, it's because my glasses are from 2008 as well. (laughs) But let's begin to read. And if you have it, you may indicate it with an amen. Amen. And the word of the Lord says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh, near to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your feet tremble upon will be the inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From that time, the Lord spoke these words to Moses. When Israel walked into the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. And I stand as strong today as I was then. Can someone say amen this afternoon? Is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord has spoke on that day. For years, for you have heard on that day. Where there were great fortitude cities, perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out of out in the name of the Lord, for he has spoken. Lord, I come before you and I ask you that everything you place in my lips would be that which you have for us to hear. God, that I may die and you live. That God, today we could hear echoes of Calvary throughout this message. In your blessed name we pray. And the church of God says, Amen. You may be seated for a few moments. I want to speak over the subject, give me what's... My, I don't know if you have anything you've been wanting, and I'm not talking about the latest gadgets, the latest phone, the latest kitchen appliances, the latest car, whatever. I'm talking about that which you've been praying for so diligently, because if God don't save your kids, they're going to end up in hell. I'm talking about the prayer that you've been asking God so heartedly that if God doesn't heal you, you're not going to make it through the deep. I'm talking about the prayer that if God doesn't come through, you don't know how you're going to make it through. That's the prayer that I'm talking about. And Caleb had this one particular request. And he comes up to his, to his uh, mentor. He comes up to the captain or the leader of that time, which was Moses some 40-something years before this prior time. And he comes with this vision and this word. And I believe that that's what God has for us to hear tonight. That that which we've been praying for is about to be handed over to us. That that which we've been longing for, we're about to see. That that which we're ready to reach out and grab, we're right there ready to grab it. I don't know if you have something like that, but I've been praying for some time. And I've been believing for some years. And I've been trusting in God. And I believe that God is saying, give me 
church, give me what's mine. I want everything you got for me, God. I want every blessing. I want every promise. I want every moment. I want every experience. I want every dancing moment, God. You have set up for me. Give me what's mine. Now, Caleb, you got to understand, at this time, he's 85 years old. I'm nowhere near that. But I I want you to notice some of the words that Caleb said. He comes up to Joshua and he says, Joshua, I want you to know something. I'm as strong as I was then. I still am today. As buff and tough and hard to bluff as I was 45 years ago, you can bet on me today. I will win you the fight. Just give me what's mine. Now, this is not talking about physical strength. How many of you five years ago could do something you couldn't do now? Anybody here? This past few weeks, the past few days, I've been working there in the tabernacle on the outside playground, and I've been doing a lot of shoveling. And you know what I came to find out? I ain't as young as I used to be. I ain't as flexible as I used to be, as you can tell. You know, I'm not in shape as I used to be. But that's not what Caleb was talking about. He was talking about the same faith that he had back in Numbers to see the giants fall. He said some 45 years later, I still got the same faith. I still got the same vision. I still got the same hope. I still got the same desire. I may be shriveled up and withered. Oh, but there's a heart inside of me who knows exactly what belongs to me. And I still have that same faith. That meant that this this man, when he accepted the task to follow God, he never gave up. He never quit. Just because you haven't got your blessing yet doesn't mean God ain't going to give it to you. Maybe it wasn't your time. 45 years have passed and Caleb's still waiting for that blessing. It didn't mean he was a sinner. Didn't mean he was a liar. Didn't mean he was a cheater. It's because the moment hadn't come. Maybe your blessing isn't when you're 30. Maybe your blessing's when you're 35. Maybe your blessing isn't now. Maybe it is tomorrow. But I believe without a shadow of doubt if you've got the same faith as you did the day you were saved, God said I'll still give it to you days later you know as I was coming over here and I was thinking about what the Lord wanted me to say he brought to mind brother Martinez he sits here in the front when I was a kid we used to go over to his house and we used to sit there and mom and dad would talk forever with him and you know they didn't talk about the Dallas Cowboys and they didn't talk about the weather, and they didn't talk about the next big thing. They talked about the Word of God. Their Word was their source of conversation. Their Word was the, the, the vibrant fire that they sat there and talked. And now some, I'm 30, 37 or 38, but I'm somewhere around there. And some years have passed. And since that time, and I come this way, guess what? Brother Martinez is still as strong as he was then as he is now. Why? Because he has understood that the faith that saved him then is a faith that's got him every year that he's gone by. That's what Caleb's talking about. He's not talking about being pumped up with steroids and being all muscled and fake inside. No, he's talking about having the faith inside of you that whenever all hell breaks loose, you ain't going to give up and run. 
He's not talking about a faith that because you see a rat, you jump up on top of the table and you get scared. He's not talking about a faith that when problems come, you run the other way. He's talking about an unshakable, unwavering, unmovable faith that says God is before me. Who can be against me? And he comes and he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, we've been friends for a long time. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm coming to tell you that I want what's mine. He wasn't coming with arrogance. He wasn't coming angry. He was coming because I'm going to tell you something. When you know your time is up, you just know it. How many of you know it's about to smell when, you, when it's about to rain? Because you begin to smell what? The rain. Well, I don't know about for some of you, but I'm starting to smell my blessing coming my way. I'm starting to see my victory on the doorknob. I'm starting to see great things happening because I know that when I got saved, he pulled me out of some stuff. And I've been saved since the age of 12, and he ain't let me down. And that's why the psalmist said, I was once young, but baby, now I'm old. And I've not seen the righteous forsaken because his faith was in God. Now, I pray that today your faith is in God and you haven't wavered and you haven't shaken and you haven't. That's the thing about faith. Faith makes you flexible. How many of you flexible in the physical? Not me. I can only go this way and that's as far as I get. We were working on the playground. There were three men working on Thursday. Me, Pastor Lerma, and a brother from my church. His name is Brother Felix. Pastor Lerma's left hand don't work because he had a stroke. So it barely moves. So he was short one hand. Brother Felix walks with a limp because his hip is messed up. So one leg don't work too good. So we got one hand and one leg that don't work. And then you got me who can't bend over past his waist. But out of all three of them, we made one. And out of that one, we made what we had to do. But faith makes you flexible that when the devil comes, you bend over like the matrix and you call the other way and you duck just in time and you go back and you trust him anyhow because God is with you. That's the awesomeness about having faith in God that when sickness comes, you're like, I ain't got nothing to fear because God is here. That's what faith does to you. It makes you flexible. It makes you fit in the times of worry and stand strong. It makes you stand up in the times of the storm and be firm. Now there are several reasons why Caleb got what he wanted. And yes, faith was there. But in order for him to get there, he had to do several things. And he couldn't do them without faith. The first thing I want you to notice about Caleb, he was committed how many like commitment? Oh, there was a man reading his marriage license, had his head on his forehead, and the wife comes and pats him on the back, says, honey, what's wrong? He says, babe, I've been looking at our marriage license for the past hour, and I haven't found an expiration date. <laughs> it ain't got one. I already look. I just played. <laughs> when you get married, you got to be what? Committed. I thank God. Let me see. Nathaniel is 15. That means I'm going on 17 years of being married. Right, babe? All right. Just want to make sure my math was right. And I've been going on, going on 17 years of being married. And you know what I found out? It takes commitment. You think... 
Lisa's still with me because I look good. Because when we got married, I was a size 36. Now I'm a size, uh, yeah, 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 but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> That's commitment. When we first got married, she cooked her first meal for me. It was spaghetti and meatballs. Came home from work. You know what I did? I went to the fridge and pulled out a sandwich and ate it. Because I didn't like meatballs. She didn't know it. So because she was committed, she learned how to cook. And now she cooks rice better than mama did. She cooked certain foods better than my mama ever did. She was committed. There were times our marriage got attacked and we didn't give up because we were committed. Now, I can tell you this, that without commitment, nothing's going to work. Whether if it's marriage, whether it's your children, whether it's your job, whether it's your finances, whether it's your health, you have to be committed to what you're going to do. And the Bible says that Caleb was committed. Five times in the Old Testament, it said that God, that Caleb followed God wholeheartedly, fully. He was committed. He was completely assured that he's the one who I've got to follow. Basically, what the Bible says, that Caleb closed the gap. You know what that means, right? That means that God was over there and Caleb was here. But with time, God and Caleb closed the gap. Now there's no gap between me and God. And that's what God says. If you want what's yours, you've got to be committed to me. You've got to close the gap and get next to me and say, God, come hell or high water. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to give in and I'm not going to give out because I'm committed through whatever I've got to go. Sad thing is, we don't got committed Christians. If we were committed, like we are to our sports teams, this church would be full. If we were committed, like we were to making money, our churches would be jam-packed. If we were committed to get up in the middle of the night and pray for our children until the day comes alive, we would see our children doing great, extraordinary things for God. If we were committed as we are for everything else, God will bless us in a way that we can't imagine. But the problem is, there is a gap between God and us. What's the gap in your life? Is it work? Now, I'm not telling you to go quit your job and close yourself up in the room and stay in there and all you do is trust God. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's your children because in some people, their children come first. Some people, the wife comes first. Some people, the, the marriage comes first. Now, all that is fine. You got to take care of it. But if it comes between me and God, there is a problem. Now, as wonderful as I love my wife, she will not take the place of my God. As much as I love my children, they will not get in the way of me and my God. Because I am committed that me and my house shall serve the Lord. But in order for that to happen, I've got to close the gap and say, devil, you're not coming through. Because I'm so close to God, you can't get through me. He was committed. He was at the point where he said, I'm not letting you through. This is where I stand. And that's what we need. When the enemy comes and tempts you. No. 
I am with God. When the enemy comes and says you can't make it, oh yes I can. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When the enemy comes and says he would have happened by now, oh devil you're mistaken. Because the Bible says that those that wait upon the Lord shall mount up as wings of eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you are committed, you would stand up when every weapon formed against you shall rise. You will fear it not because you know that you're standing next to God. You have to be committed. You have to say, you know what? I'm going to follow you to the fullest. I'm going to tell you this, church. God deserves all of you. Not part of you. How many of you, when you go order a double meat cheeseburger with bacon? Brother's feeling it already. How would you like it if they only give you half? Oh, no. Oh man, you stealing my bacon. I paid for bacon. And I paid for a double meal. I didn't pay for no kids meal. Get yourself back there and you fix me what's mine. That's the same way God is. And I got news. God ain't going to use half of you. He ain't going to use three quarters of you. It's all or nothing. He either gets all of you. Or you want nothing to do with you. Because the only way you're going to make it is if you give it all to God. How would you like it, Min? If your wife came up to you and said, yes, I'll marry you. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I live at my mom's house. Now some of you are probably saying that should have been an option. But (laughs) you wouldn't like that, right? How many remember on your honeymoon, you couldn't be without her? You hold hands. Always sitting in the middle. You didn't want nobody to ride with you. But I'm going to have to walk. I don't care. It's just me and my honey in the car. You had all of you. You were all there. That's what God wants. He wants it all. Turn around to your neighbor. Tell him he wants all of you. That means he wants your family. He wants your home. He wants your finances. He wants your health. He wants your joy. He wants your happiness. He wants all of you because if he has all of you, you're unstoppable. If we would just come and say, God, here it is. All, all is yours. You can have it all. My family is yours because I can't fix it. My bills are yours because I can't fix it. My pain is yours because I can't heal it. My ministry is yours because I can't make it grow. My voice is yours because I can't speak right. My heart is yours because it needs you. And you give it your all. God can do everything you need him to do in your life. This is the thing about commitment. Commitment will not let you quit. How many quitters we have in the house? None? No quitters? All right. You sure? God don't like quitters. I remember one day we were watching the Cowboys. Cowboys were winning. My son was wearing Des Bryant jersey. Second half, Cowboys were losing. He pulled out the Victor Cruz jersey for the Giants. I'm like, you little quitter. You switch teams on me. He's like, Dad, 
I go for the winning team. I don't care who it is. That's a quitter right there. But I'm talking about someone who is so sold out that I don't care if I've got to be sick and laid in the hospital. I know that God will make a way. That I don't got to care if my kids have been locked up. I know God will set them free. I don't care if they're hooked on drugs or hooked on phonics. I'm going to trust God to save them and bring them and change them because I'm committed to God and I'm going to leave them there and I'm going to trust them there and I'm going to believe that God's going to give me what I need because I'm sold out and I'm not going to quit on God even if today I don't get what I want and I'm not going to turn my back on God even if he doesn't heal me today because I know who I'm trusting. There was this great man. He went to war one day. His name was Julius Caesar. He had to win this battle. So you know the army they were going to face was great. He had this bright idea. He took the men all the way to the top of a mountain cliff. And he had some other men set all their ships on fire. Then he took them to the mountain cliff. And they looked over. And the men saw all their ships on fire. And they started to panic. He said, the enemy has already burned our ships. And Caesar says, no, I did it. Because we're committed to win this battle. And I'm not going to give you a back door to retreat. We're going to burn out every exit. We're going to close every back door. Because we're going to go straight ahead against the enemy. And if we win, we win. But if we die, we will die committed to the cause. That's what the church needs. We need to close all the back doors for reasons to go back to the world. And say, God is before me. Who can be against me? If I die, I will die for God. And I'm not going to give up. I'm tired of them Pop-Tart Christians. They're committed when the going's good. But when the toaster gets real hot, pop goes the weasel. That's not what God wants out of you. He wants you to burn every exit. That's why the prophet, when the prophet came and threw the mantle over the servant, you know what the servant did? He burned his plow, killed his cows, because he didn't want no reason to come back. And some of us say, you know what? I love you, God. But just in case you don't come through, I'm going to leave this bad habit right here because I can go back. That's what happened to Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And what happened the moment that Jesus was, was betrayed and he was crucified? What did Peter do when he was dead? He went back where? Back fishing. Why? Because he wasn't committed. He wasn't totally surrendered. And God says, if you want what's yours, give it all. Everything. Give it to me. Give me your worries. Give me your doubts. Give me your burdens. Leave it right here. And I'm going to take care of it for you. And you leave this place knowing that you can have what's yours. It's time we close those doors. It's time we say we're not going to look back. And we're not going to give in. And we're not going to quit. We must give God all of what we have. We must be totally committed to God. And if you're committed to God, there ain't no devil in hell that can stop you. There ain't no storm too strong that'll knock you down. Because the last time I checked, my God is bad to the bone. He's awesome and he's good and he's worthy and he's made his name known amongst the earth. Are you committed? Have you come to the point where you said, God, I'm going to trust you through it all. I know my, I know my life hasn't been the way it should, but I'm going to give it all to you.
I know I've always been one of them flaky Christians. I'm going to give it all to you. We got a young man coming to our church right now. He just started about a few weeks ago. And everybody comes and says, be careful with him. He's a big liar. Well, I'd rather have a liar in church than have a liar outside. Because if I have a liar in church, I know that God can save him. And I know that God can change him. Because he's being ran by the father of lies. But he's making a mistake by coming into the father who has kingdom and dominion over the father of lies. He's coming to the king of kings and lord of lords. He may be the father of lies that's inside of him. But soon enough, the devil is going to run out that door. Because God is committed to a church who trusts and believes in him. And if we commit ourselves to God, God can do great things. Have you noticed that sometimes we get so picky, net picky? God ain't never going to change. God ain't never going to heal. I have this brother coming to my church. His name is Brother Herbert. When I met him back in March, he comes to me and says, Pastor, I love what you preached. It was good. But I got to tell you something, Pastor. I love my drinking. I said, that's good. But I'm going to pray that God take away that drinking. He looks at me and smirks and says, ah, that ain't going to happen, Pastor. Week later, he came back. He got this big old Bible under his arm. Three weeks came by. He was already giving tithes. Three months ago, he comes up and says, Pastor, I'm down to one beer. I used to drink six packs and this packs and that many packs, but I'm only down to one. That's all I can drink. So don't worry. You'll let it go. This past week, we had, a, we had a tailgate party at the church. He says, Pastor, all I need is a root beer now. That's all I need. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are, where you come from. The God that I serve, if we are committed to trust in him, he will change anyone. He will heal anyone. He will deliver anyone. He will deliver one, anyone out of any problem because he is committed to you as well. Now we're going to work on his tobacco. <laughs> He's like, Pastor! Hey, you made a mistake when you came into my church. You see, I'm, I'm like a pet bull. I bite and won't let go. You come in and you tell me you want God, I'm going to hold you, and I'm going to hold you, and you're going to have to pull me and shake me, but I ain't letting go because I'm committed to seeing you saved. That's how Caleb was. Because this, this is why Caleb was committed. Because some 45 years before, he came to spy the land. And you know what he saw? He saw a mountaintop way up there. He said, you know what? That'd be nice for me in my house. Right over there, I can put my house. And over there on that side, I can give my little boy a house. And on that side, I can give my daughter a house. And over there, I can set me a swimming pool. And back over there, we can make a house of worship. And over there, we can make a place for the kids. And he starts imagining all these things. And he comes back excited. And he tells Moses, Moses, man, we can conquer this land. And you heard what he said. I said what was in my heart. But the rest of the men feared. And they made everyone else afraid. So for 40 years in the wilderness, you know what Caleb's doing? God, I know you're going to give me my house. God, I know that mountaintop is mine. God, I know that that place where I looked upon is mine. Because Moses said the place where my feet trample upon 
it's mine. And I've been waiting. And year one went by. And I've been waiting. And he's sitting there telling his wife, baby, wait till you see the place I'm going to buy for you. Baby, wait till you see the place I'm going to make for you. The house that I saw is mine. And the wife is saying, I know, honey. It's already been 20 years. Well, just give me 20 more years. And we're going to be there. We may not have it right now. But, honey, wait a little bit. Because I know that if God is with me, I'm going to build you that house. I'm going to give you that place. I'm going to make a place for you and I have a great time. 39 years go by. One more year, baby. One more year. Hang in there. I know we're a little older now. And we ain't as fast as we used to be. And we're not as strong as we used to be. But I'm telling you, my faith ain't changed one bit. Because every day I open the word of God. And the Bible says where faith comes by hearing. And I've been hearing God. He says, Caleb, get ready. What's yours is coming. Caleb, get ready. What yours is coming. Church, I'm telling you, I don't know how long you've been waiting. But if you're committed to God, you won't quit. So when 40 years go by and they're getting ready to pass the Jordan, <coughs> Caleb is the happiest man in the world because he can see it. He can see his miracle. I don't know if you can see what you've been asking for, <coughs> but I see it. I see it in my kids. I see it in my wife. I see it in my church. It's coming. It's coming. I see it in the men's ministry. I see it in the women's ministry. I see it in the young people's ministry. It's coming. The devil don't know what's happening to the central district or El Centrico Districto. We're going to see great things happen in the name of Jesus Christ because we got a church committed to God and we ain't looking back. Four years ago, we started a men's retreat in our district. Started off with 23 men. <coughs> Second year, 33. Third year, 60 something men. Fourth year, October the 23rd, devil, get ready. Because God's about to give me what's mine. And we're about to see what no eye has seen before. Because God is faithful to those who are committed. And ladies, I wish you could be there this October the 23rd and 24th because we're going to have men worshiping, praising God, humping and hopping and hollering and jumping and running and crawling all over the place because God is good and he's doing great things and we're going from glory to glory, from glory to glory. He has not changed. I started doing the math. I said, God, we jumped from 33 to 60 something. That means if we double it this year, my Lord, we're almost there. And then next year on the fifth year, the vision's always been 200. But that doesn't mean that's where we stop. It's the first mark to where God is taking us. And I don't know what your vision stops at, but mine stops in heaven. And that's where I'm going. And I'm going to get there because I know that if I'm trusting him, he will get me through. Caleb was committed. Second thing, Caleb was faithful. You have to be faithful. You have to come when God says come. You have to trust when God says trust. You know how hard it is when the people standing next to you sometimes can be the biggest discouragement around you? 
Caleb wasn't having problems with unbelievers. He was having problems with church people. They're the ones that doubted. He could have had every right to say, you know what, Moses? I'm done. I give up. I quit. I'm out of this. Caleb said, you know what? I will follow you wholeheartedly. I will give it all to you. I will be faithful to you. You know what faithful people do? They get on their knees and they pray in the storm. You know what faithful people do? That when everybody else is talking negative, they stand up and declare the goodness of God. That when everyone else says it can't be done, a faithful person will stand up and say, wait, don't you give up on my God yet. He ain't done yet. My dad used to have this saying, Monday ain't here yet, son. The week ain't over yet, son. We may have had a battle, but we ain't there yet. We haven't given up. We haven't given in. And you know why Caleb is being so faithful? Because God promised him that he could have that land. Not so much for him, but so that he could leave an inheritance to his children. My mom is going on two years of being gone with the Lord. She didn't leave me money. Didn't leave me a house. She gave me a green couch that I have in my living room that doesn't match with anything else. But it's, I, I love it. But that's getting old. But the one inheritance she left me was the faithfulness of God's word. That's why she fought so hard that I trust God. That's why she spent hours at night praying for her children. That's why she declared the goodness of God over our lives. Because she knew the day would come when she would have to leave. But she left us an inheritance. This is not an inheritance of gold or silver. This is an eternal inheritance. She left us the word of God. She left us the anointing of God. She left us power in God. That's what she left us. And that's why she was faithful to God. I know men who leave inheritances of millions of dollars to their children, but they don't leave them the word of God. And I'd rather have the word of God than to have silver and gold. Because at the end of it all, it ain't going to buy you a ticket to heaven. But the faithfulness to God and the obedience to God and the commitment to God is going to open the gate of heaven. And it's going to say, well done, good and faithful child. It's about time we, the church, be faithful to God. There was this man named Eisenhower. Said that when he was a baby, young man, around five, ten years old of age, they went up to this farmer, him and his dad, and his dad wanted to buy a cow. And the dad asked the old little farming man there about some questions about the cow, and she, he asked, "How's the pedigree of the cow?" The old man had no clue what he was talking about. I don't know. What is the, 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 the fat mass of the cow? I don't know. How many pounds of milk does it give you? I don't know. But what do you know? All I know, sir, is that this cow is a faithful cow. It will give you every last drop of milk it's got, but you will have everything that she has to offer. 
And that's what the church needs. God doesn't want to know how tall you are, how rich you are, how fast you are. He just wants to know if you're faithful enough to give him your all, to give him all that you've got. To say, God, I will give you every last drop of me and I will make sure that no one else has a part of me because I belong to you and I'm going to give it all to you because I want what's mine. That's what faithfulness does. It gives it your all. How many are willing to give God everything? How many want what's yours? Then God's going to want it all. He's going to want everything. I'm not satisfied with God saving only one son. I remember when Nathaniel was, he walked up around the age of nine and gave his life to the Lord. I was blessed and I was excited, but I got two more and need to be saved. And I wasn't satisfied with Nathaniel being saved. And then one service in Corpus, Georgie walked up and got saved. And I wasn't satisfied with both being saved. Because I've got this understanding. If God gave me three, then all three are going to be his. If God gave me three, then all three of them are going to serve God. If I got to kick and scream all the way to heaven, I'm going to do it. But each one of them are going to get saved because they belong to me. They are mine. And I remember when I gave them to the Lord, I said, Lord, here they are. You do whatever you want. And out of nowhere, Jabez walked up and gave his life to the Lord because I am committed to God. And if I am committed to God, me and my house shall serve the Lord. The devil can't have my children. This past year, Daniel went to Bethel and the Lord changed him. I guarantee you guys, parents, send your kids to Bethel. They're going to come changed. Because when you walk out of there, you may not know what you're getting into, but you're going to know what you're coming out like. My son's been preaching at the church every other Tuesday. Him and Ali are getting ready to start that ministry at campus over there. He says, Dad, we got about 26 people signed up and ready to go and ready to hear the word of God. He's getting ready to, to, to do his, his first youth service on his own. And I'm starting to see him. The other day he comes in and says, Dad, I think the Lord wants me to start teaching this to the kids. What else does a dad want? You know, I, he didn't come ask me, can I have this new game or this next set? He said, Dad, is it okay if I teach this in church? That's the greatest thing I want. That's the inheritance I'm talking about. They don't want to share something else. They want to share the word of God because I know that if I trust God and I'm committed to God and I'm faithful to God he's going to use all of them that's what faithfulness does God rewards your full faithfulness lastly Caleb was courageous he was able to overcome Grasshopper mentality. People were saying, no, we can't conquer. There are too many people there. We look like grasshoppers because these guys, oh, they're big. How many of you have ever faced big, big obstacles? Georgie's first game. How many know my son? He's about this tall. I ain't much taller, but he's about this tall. And he played his first uh, junior high game last Thursday and I was there and when I started seeing some of these guys Georgie would like to their belly button I'm like Lord you gotta help my boy he's standing there on the line ready to go against the offense 
first play, the guy just goes, boom, and Georgie falls on his behind. I said, get up, Georgie. You get up. He's sitting there, tries to get through the next one, and he can't get through. And he tries again, and he can't get through. And he tries again, and he can't get through. We're down by a touchdown. We need the ball. We've only got about two minutes left in the game. I'm like, come on, Georgie. You can break that line. These guys are big. The Giants are in front of you. And I don't know what Georgie did, but he lowered his shoulders down. He hit the guy on the side. The guy fell, and he went, and he hit the guy, and he fumbled the ball, and he knocked down the quarterback. We picked it up, ran it back, scored a touchdown, and we won the game. Why? Because someone refused to bow down down to a giant and say you know what I'm going to stand and I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to push and I'm going to fight till I get it all Caleb said man I may be small but I serve the mighty God you may be tall but I know in who I stand upon you may have my kids But I know who gave him my kids. And he will not let you have them. You may have my wife. But I'm going to get her back. You may have my dad. But he's coming home. Because me and my house shall serve the Lord. I will wait with courage. And I will fight with courage. (coughs) He overcame the giants. Giant mentality basically says, you're too small. You'll never make it. Brother Chano, the first time he went to Bethel, like, Pastor, I haven't been in school in a long time. I don't know. I I don't even remember how to write this or write that. He'd be all right, brother. Year one went by. He's like, Pastor, I made it through the first year. All right, that means you can make it through the second. And this past August, him and his tall self marched down the aisle, got his certificate of finishing Bethel after three years. Why? Because it don't matter how big the giant is. The giant says you can't make it. But I serve the author and the creator of my giant faith. And he says I can do it all. Courage helps you finish the race. It's not about winning the race. It's about finishing the race. There was this young man. He was in the Olympics. I don't remember what quite year it was, but as he was racing and he was running, he was about to win. He pulled a hamstring. He was from the the United States. He was an American. And he fell. Everybody thought this guy was going to win for sure. And he fell because he pulled a hamstring. And you know what he does? He has the courage to get up. He could have stayed there and not finished the race. And that's what happens to a lot of us. We're expected to win. But somewhere along the way, problems happen. And we fall. And for many Instead of getting up and wanting to finish the race, we stay there and we don't get up. 
and we don't move forward. But I'm telling you, my family means too much for me to stay there. My ministry means too much for me to give up. My church means too much for me to look the other way. I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to push and I'm going to finish this race. If I got to drag my leg in inside there, I'm going to finish it. This man gets up. You could tell he's in agony. He's dragging the leg. He's almost falling. It takes courage not to give up. When he had all right to give up, he refused. He's about 200 yards from the finish line. His leg is hurting so bad he can't move anymore. He's practically almost stuck where he's standing, barely moving. But he made in his mind, I'm going to finish what I started. I'm going to finish what I started. Because I want what's mine. I want what's mine. And all of a sudden this man jumped out of the audience and runs up to him. And puts him on his shoulder. And he starts carrying him to the finish line. And he gets there a little faster. And he finally finishes the race. When they come to find out the man who came to help him was his own dad. Because his dad refused to see his son not finish the race. Well, I'm telling you, I got a father in heaven who's not going to let me sit there and not make it. He'll jump out and he'll pick me up on his shoulders and he'll carry me through the finish line. Because he wants me to have what's mine. But it takes courage to get what's mine. And at the age of 85 years old. Caleb went, him and his family, and they conquered every last giant on that mountain. Give me what's mine. I don't know what you need from God. I don't know what you're asking of God. I've got some petitions that I I, I gave to God, and some years have gone by. I never forget, I went to a men's retreat in October, five years ago, in California. The man, the president of that district, had been operated from his neck down to his belly button. He had over 70 stitches from here to his belly button. In the back of his neck, he had been operated all the way down to his waist, He had a hundred and something stitches in his back. They practically opened him. They put him a neck brace. And for two and a half days at that men's retreat, I never saw that man sit down. There was over a hundred men in that men's retreat that he had invited and he had brought. On the way to the airport, I said, brother, how long have you been doing this? He says, pastor, I've been saved all my life. But it wasn't until I got sick that I answered the call to follow God. He says, this is my second year as men's president. And that I've served the Lord since I've been saved. Since I've been operated. And it's, he says, it's sad, but I do more for God now that I'm sick than when I was healthy. He said, but I am committed to do everything I have to do to see men saved for the kingdom of God. 
came home that day. I said, God, I'm not going to wait till I'm sick. I'm not going to wait till I'm broke. And I'm not going to wait till I'm down to nothing. I'm going to commit to you all the way. And for the last five years, I've gone through some valleys. And I've gone through some storms. But I've yet been forsaken by him. God rewards commitment, faithfulness, and courage to him. But this is how God is. It wasn't my commitment. It was his commitment through me. It wasn't my faithfulness. It was his faithfulness in me. And it wasn't my courage. It was his courage in me. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And whatever you're asking for, he will give it to you. Just ask in the name of Jesus. There's some of you that need to commit to God. There's no more playing church. Look at the news. You ain't got time to play church. Some of us need to be faithful to God. Some of us need to have courage. Brother Mark, be bold. Be courageous. He that is called you has not abandoned you. The task that he's put before you is not in vain. Though there be valleys and there will be storms, be committed, be faithful, be courageous. For you and your house shall serve the Lord. He's not preparing you to fall. And he's not encouraging you to give in. He's preparing you to conquer. God says, be ready. Yours is coming. Don't give up. Couple in the back, in the back row right here. God says, hold on. Hold on. It's no time to let go. No matter how hard it gets, you grip a hold of him. And he's not going to let you go. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. Hold on. I'll give you what's yours, but hold on. I'll answer, but hold on. Weeping may endure for the night, and it seemed like it's been a long night. It seemed like it's gone on for days. But joy will come. Joy will come. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. But church, God's about to give us what's ours. He's about to give us what's ours. You just got to hold on a little longer. Hold on a little tighter. That's all you got to do.